Hello. We're pleased you've been able to tune in to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. Welcome to the program. When I say the Bible, there is actually now a whole generation that has no clue what we're talking about. So, I want to go right back before we assume anyone knows what the Bible is, how we got it, what it's about, how to read it. There are many religious doctrines in the world, and while some might have us think that all roads lead to heaven, nothing could be further from the truth. If you're doing some exploring, you're new to Christianity, or you've been a Christian for a while, then stay tuned. Let's join Dr. Corbett now as he goes back to basics and begins a short three-part series titled Christianity Unpacked. Tonight, let's look at the Bible. All right, good evening. This is Christianity Unpacked, and we're going to have a look at over the next three Sundays, including this one. Three things that I think should be right at the foundation of when you start out as a Christian. As you continue on enjoying your light supper, I'm gonna just talk to you about Christianity Unpacked. And we've already seen that there's three essential things that you need to go on the journey of being a Christian. And the first one, is the Christian's relationship to God's Word. And being a Christian is being a person of God's Word, the Bible. In the wisdom of God, He's given us writing. Writing that can be put onto paper, it can be put onto, as it originally was, it was put onto leather. And even before that, it was put onto what's what came before paper, and that was known as papyrus. And if we're going to start out on our journey of following Christ and being a Christian, we need three essential things. And this is the first thing, the Bible, the Word of God. You may have done other courses before, and this is not meant to be anything like those. So this is probably not going to be what you thought it was going to be, but it could be exactly what you thought it was going to be if you knew what I was doing. Now... Christianity is described as a journey. In Colossians chapter 2, Paul actually describes Christianity as a walk, but it's a long walk. There was a writer in the 1600s who wrote a book about the walk of Christianity. It was called Pilgrim's Progress. His name was John Bunyan. And so my picture that I've got here as the backdrop is actually of a backpack. And it took me a while to find a, a picture ready to go with three things packed in it that were essential for the walk. And that's how I regard Christianity. Three things that are essential for the walk. So that's what we're going to have a look at when we look at Christianity Unpacked. So if we were to unpack Christianity, we would make sure we've got something there right from the start, and that's the Bible. So if you have a Bible, it looks something like this. This is the one I'm currently using. It's uh, leather bound, and I have found that over the years, if I don't get a leather one, Alan, what happens? They fall apart, exactly. So this is, that's why I, I it's kind of like for me, a carpenter buying a really good hammer drill thingy. So <laughs> this is my tool. All right. So here's, here's what we now face, and this is why I, I want to uh, look at what we're, we're looking at over these next three weeks. 
when I say the Bible, there is actually now a whole generation that has no clue what we're talking about. So I want to go right back before we assume anyone knows what the Bible is, how we got it, what it's about, how to read it, and so on. So I start with this question as we unpack the Bible out of our backpack. What even is the Bible? What even is the Bible? In a moment, I'm going to show you some of the options that we've got here. These are just some that I randomly pulled off my Bible bookcase. I have an entire bookcase of different Bibles, and these are some of them, so I'll explain that in a moment. What even is the Bible? Well, there are some religions that claim that God himself dictated to certain writers, in fact, writer, because oftentimes this kind of claim comes about from those that claim that one man received a direct uh, dictation from God. That's not the Bible's claim. So the first thing we probably should understand when you look at a Bible is that it was written by men. We don't, as far as we know, none of it was written by women. That's not meant to be offensive. That's just meant to be a fact. And then, but it was inspired by God. And when we say inspired by God, that's a bit of a mystery that is a little bit too deep for us to look at tonight. But if you want to spend the next, I don't know, 70, 80, 150 years, you might begin to understand it. So let's just assume it's written by men, they held the pen, and somehow God orchestrated what they were writing. He allowed them to use their own language. At times, he even allowed them to use their own ignorance. So they, they wrote from their own perspective. Now, in our morning service, I'm doing a series on Corinthians. And the Apostle Paul says something like this. I'm glad I didn't baptise any more than I did. I think I baptised Crispus and his household, but beyond that, I can't remember. Now, doesn't that sound odd for something that God would inspire? But God would allow the human writers to write from their own perspective. That's why we read things in the Bible like, in the morning, the sun comes up, and in the evening, the sun goes down. Now, there are people who understand astronomy and cosmology, and you understand that is not actually what happens. But from their perspective, that's how it was. And so God ordained that. God used that. Secondly, the Bible is remarkable in that it was written by about 40 different authors. And it was written over a period of some maybe 2,000 or so years, maybe 1,500, 2,000 years. And here's the remarkable thing. They all agree. Now, that's really hard. That's really hard to do. 40 different authors on three or four different continents writing about the same subject and most of them never met each other and they all agree. Pretty incredible. And here's the other incredible thing. The Bible describes the world the way it really is. In other words, it describes reality. It paints a picture of the world the way it actually is. You might think, well, I thought all holy books do that. Well, actually they don't. The Bible is unique when it comes to this. So, it's also comprised, and this is one of the things that I tell people when they're just starting out in Christianity. It's one of the first things I tell them about the Bible. 
the Bible has two sections. The old section and the new section. And that's really important to understand. And I would encourage anyone who's starting out in Christianity to start in the new section. So let's have a look at this. How do you read your Bible? If I was to ask you how you read your Bible, I'm pretty sure someone somewhere in this room would say, I flick, stop, and point. And I read wherever I landed, which today is the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Hmm. Let's dwell on that today. Um, that's how some would read it. Others might read it like this. Um, start at the beginning and, and make their way from the very first verse of the very first book of the Bible and get to about the fifth or sixth chapter and fall asleep. That's another way people would read it. Here's how I suggest you read the Bible, for starters. Read it as a story. This makes the Christian Bible, the Judeo-Christian Bible, unique. The Quran is not a story. I don't know if you've ever tried to read the Quran, but it's actually quite difficult to read because it's, it's bits and pieces that has no flow. It's not a story. But the Bible's a story. There's the old section and the new section. The Bible also was developed over time to make it easier to read. So, for example, we, we can have, this is called a, a codices or a, a book. It's, it's got a binding. But that's not how it started out. If you are aware of the term scroll that was made from uh, very thin leather and called vellum, and you could make a piece of vellum about uh, 22 feet long. Very expensive, and then you could write in ink on it, and then you'd roll it up. Interestingly, you can get mm, so many words on that in the original language, and that is about how many words are in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They wrote to fill a scroll. Well, we don't have to unfurl a scroll. Can you imagine carrying around 66 scrolls, which is how many books there are in the Bible? It'd be very awkward. So the Bible developed into this thing called a, a book. Along the way, God ordained and ordered that the various books that comprise the Bible would be put in the order that we have them. When you go to places like Ukraine, where I lectured for a while in Kiev, it, it surprises you that you can pick up a, a Ukrainian Bible and the books are in a slightly different order but they're the same books. So for example, they don't call 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel, or 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel. They call it 1 Kings and 2 Kings. Then they call it 3 Kings and 4 Kings, for first, what we call 1 Kings, which makes a whole lot more sense, can I tell you? Because Samuel actually dies in 1 Samuel. So I don't know how he finished his book. And it is about the installation of a king. So it makes more sense. But that's just a little detail. Then someone came along a few hundred years after that was developed and they put chapters. And the idea of chapters was to say, this is a thought. This chapter represents a thought. 
And then sometime after that, someone came along in about the Middle Ages and thought, it'd be a lot handier to tell someone exactly where we're talking about in the Bible if we not only had books and chapters, but we had verses as well. So when you're reading the Bible, just remember that the Bible is organised into chapters, which are thoughts. Read the thought rather than the verse. If you choose to read a verse, it would be like unwrapping a delicious piece of chocolate and just leaving it there. The word for that is pointless. You should put it in your mouth and savour it. So, I've just told you about the divisions of the, of the Bible itself. Books, chapters and verses. So when you understand that, you'll know if someone says to you, John 3.16, they mean the book of John chapter 3 and verse 16. And that's how you'll find the Bible is actually set out as well. It's ingenious. It's really clever. Now, we here in our church, like a lot of churches in the English-speaking world, have chosen to use one of the freshest translations available. And that's called the English Standard Version, or ESV. But some people have a, a love for a particular version of the Bible. So, for example, let's see, by, I'm going to show you some of these. There is a thing called the King James Bible. The new King James is what I'm holding here, which is essentially takes the these and the thous out of the Bible. That's the new King James. This, that, that came about in the middle uh, to end of the 20th century. This is the revised version. This, all it is, is people who translate the original languages into English, trying to keep it as relevant and fresh as possible. Now, the reason this is important is because English changes. The English of the 1700s or the English of the 1600s would actually make very little sense today. If I said to you, um, oh, there's, uh, to, to be as white as a fuller can make it. What have I said to you? I've quoted the King James Bible from Matthew chapter 16. A fuller was the old English word for a launderer. Now if I said to you launderer, you might think mafia or you might think someone who cleans clothes. You see how English presents a problem? So what happens is that word, if you read that word today, fuller, you're, you're not really going to understand what the Bible's trying to tell you. So let me show you something, and you may, you're welcome to pass it around. Um, the Old Testament is written in a language called Hebrew. And for those that would like to see Hebrew, that's it there. That's Hebrew. See that? You can read that, Jerry? Yep. Oh, yeah, sure. All right. So, so that's Hebrew. That's the Hebrew language. Now, the, the, problem, the problem is 
that when the story goes, unfolds, the people of Israel were taken away to a country called Babylon. And they were there for a couple of hundred years. And what happened was they forgot how to read Hebrew. Mostly forgot. There was a few people called the priests, but they didn't have a temple. And they understood it. But that was all. So the problem was that the next generation could not read the Bible because they didn't speak Hebrew or read Hebrew. Can you read that? See that? That's Hebrew. Very good. <laughs> All right, so what happened was around the time of the Roman Empire, the Romans spoke Latin, and, but everyone else spoke Greek. The whole world could speak Greek. And so the leaders of Israel decided, we want our Hebrew Bible to be read and understood. So they translated the whole Old Testament, which is this, into Greek. That's Greek. You might recognise some of the letters, but you might think it's all Greek to me. So that's Greek. Here we go. Like, this looks like a bunch of letters that almost resembles English, but it isn't. That's Greek. A bit like Dutch, except it's readable. And so what this is called, this is called the translation of the 70, which is known as the Septuagint. And that is the Bible, the Old Testament, that all of the writers of the New Testament quote from. They all quote from that, the Septuagint. And here's the amazing thing about the Bible. It can be translated and make sense. It can be translated into any language, including this language. There's that language, and there it is in English. That's German. Deutsch. Deutsch, yeah. So... The Bible can be translated into any language and God seems to be really okay with that. And what happens is, no matter where it's translated, no matter what language it's translated into, God is able to speak into people's hearts through it. It is absolutely amazing. Now you'll talk with my good friend Ali about the Quran where he grew up people would treat the Quran with incredible respect but hardly ever read it. And they believe the Quran, written in Arabic, cannot be translated. But the Bible can be. That makes the Bible somewhat unique. So, when you're looking to get a translation, I do two things. If people are going to read the Bible with me, or I'm going to meet with them and read the Bible with them, we'll read the English Standard Version. And if they haven't got a copy of it, I'll give them a copy of it. And if you're here tonight and you don't have a copy of it, we've got about 20 copies ready to go that we've replenished, and we'll give you one. Because I think it's one of the best English translations available.
But if someone's going to start out, I would recommend a, a, a version of the Bible probably called the New Living Translation because it's, it's easy English, easy to understand. It's written in about grade six English. But it can still achieve the purpose of God in people's lives. So that's about the Bible. I hope you've heard that the Bible was written by men. I hope you've heard it was written by about 40 men over about 1,500 to 2,000 years. I hope you've heard these men were on three different continents, Asia, Africa and Europe. And that despite being separated by geography and despite being separated by time, they describe God in exactly the same way. Incredible. And this is how we know, one of the reasons we know, this is not an ordinary book. It is, as we say, and it claims, inspired by God. So here's the other thing. The importance of the Bible. There have been thinkers down through the ages who've said, if there really is a God who loves his creation and he cares for people, surely he would want to communicate with them. And we would say, he has. He has. And of all the technologies that God could use to communicate with us, he's chosen the written word. Now, for those of us who have computers and have ever experienced a sudden power blackout or software deciding it doesn't want to work anymore and you've been writing your assignment for hours and you haven't saved it yet and then woof, the power goes, you'll realise that's not a very reliable way to store or retrieve a message. But this is, in fact, the New Testament, the translators have access to something like 5,200 ancient manuscripts written from the 2nd and 3rd and 4th centuries that were our reliable copies of what was written in the 1st century. That's the New Testament. Of the Old Testament, we have good reason to believe that what we have today is exactly what God told these men to write thousands of years ago. So it would be three and a half thousand years ago. How do we know that? Well, in about 1946, 47, 48, a thing was discovered in a cave of Qumran called the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's pretty amazing. A shepherd boy lost a goat. He went looking for his goat. He thought the goat went into a cave and being like most men, afraid to go into a dark cave, as I would be, he threw a rock in hoping he would hear something that sounded like a goat. Instead, when he threw the rock in, he heard pottery break and he thought that was an odd sound. He went in there and he found these jars sealed with tar and sealed up so they were airtight, and inside them were these leather scrolls called vellum, very thin leather. He took them into Jerusalem, and eventually these things were considered to be the greatest 
archaeological find of the 20th century because those manuscripts were, date back to about four to 500 BC and they corresponded exactly to what we have in the Old Testament which confirmed that the scribes, the people who copied the Bible out, took great care in copying exactly what they were writing. So here's the first thing. The Bible is the revelation of God to mankind. As you would expect, God has communicated. The Bible actually says he's communicated at least in three ways. One, through the creation. You could actually just contemplate creation and realise if you have a creation, there's probably a creator. If you're a science type and you believe in the Big Bang, you would have to consider, if you think about it, bangs don't bang themselves. If you have a Big Bang, you probably have a Big Banger, a God who's communicated through creation. Secondly, through the word that he has given through select people. Note that I said people, not person. At least 40 different authors and at least another 20-something prophets who are mentioned in the Old Testament. That is unique. And then thirdly, through Jesus Christ. God in the flesh, the Bible claims, and he came and he gave us the word of God and he quoted from this, from the Old Testament, the Old section continually. So when you read the Bible, you'll become acquainted with the voice of God. The voice of God. You'll hear how he speaks. And if you think you're hearing from God and he's saying something that in the Bible he says not to do, you're not hearing from God. So the Bible acquaints us with the voice of God. And thirdly, the Bible gives us comfort. It gives us guidance. It gives us wisdom. And it gives us peace. If I was to share a story from Kim's experience, there was a time when uh, she was overseas and she opened up Isaiah 43 and there was, it was a bit of a tough time. And as she read from Isaiah 43, she said she heard God speak to her soul and everything was going to be okay. She experienced the peace of God. Now you may have experienced that as well. And what I want to encourage you to do now as dessert is brought out to your table that you share what's been your experience with God's the, God, the Word of God, the Bible. What has been your experience? And then after dessert, before we dash off, our guest artist is going to come back and lead us in a worship song, which is a part of the tradition of Christianity as well. So let me pray. Father, I thank you that you have given us your word, the Bible. I thank you, Lord, that understanding that you have given us the Bible and just how important it is to giving us information about who you are, information about the problem that you have sought to solve, information about the solution to the problem, information about the solution being your son who you sent to this earth as a baby 
and that, Lord, you've given us information in the Bible that tells us that we deserve punishment for our wrongdoing. But you laid our deserved punishment on your son and he bore our punishment and took it into eternity so that we could be forgiven of our wrongdoing and enjoy peace with you. And Father, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you, Lord, that you can speak to us through it. And I pray from this night on, those gathered here and those listening to me right now would begin to hear your voice and begin to experience you speaking to them through the Bible. And I pray for this as your word instructs me to pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a discussion at your table. How, is, how have you experienced the Bible? That's all we have time for tonight. If you'd like to obtain a CD copy or premium download of tonight's discussion, then please go to our website, findingtruthmatters.org and select Christianity Unpacked, the Bible from our online store. You can also find the podcast by subscribing to Finding Truth Matters on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud. As we've heard tonight, the Bible is God's revelation to mankind. It introduces us to the voice of God and it gives comfort, guidance and peace. More from Dr. Corbett next week with more of Christianity Unpacked. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to meeting with you again same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.